Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister and host of the show. You can check out everything we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Continental gave their gravity tire lineup a truly massive overhaul a little while back, and we've been very impressed with the Cryptitals in particular, and I've been getting along really well with the Argitol and Xenotol as well. And because designing a whole new tire lineup from scratch is such a big undertaking, and the direction that Continental has gone with it is pretty different from a lot of what they've had on the market in the past, I thought it'd be a good idea to sit down with Alex Henke, the product manager behind the whole lineup, and Dan Brown, the CEO of Atherton Bikes, team director of Continental Atherton Racing, and the co-founder of Duffy Bike Park, to talk about the development of the whole lineup. And we get into a whole lot of what makes a good mountain bike tire, including the stuff that they've done on casing construction and rubber compound and tread pattern too, of course. But one of the things that I like best about this one is just that it, I think, illustrates really well how all of those different variables play together and get some insight on that from two guys who have thought a whole lot about tire design over the last quite a few years. So hope you enjoy. I sure did. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Alex and Dan. Well, Alex, Dan, great to sit down and chat with you about the Continental Gravity Tire range and just kind of excited to get into the development story of the, the lineup and um, kind of a lot of the thinking that went behind it. And before we dive into all that though can you to introduce yourselves maybe start with you alex yeah um thanks for having me and giving us the opportunity to give you a little bit of insights into the overall story of the gravity development and how they come to life uh yeah my name is alexander henke and um since 2017 i'm with um, continental bicycle tires responsible as a product manager for the mountain bike tire segment um, before this, I studied mechanical engineering and I was studied as an industrial engineer, uh, yeah, working mainly for um, automotive industries. But uh, as I was really involved in developing combustion engines and turbochargers, I decided at one point to um, move forward a little bit more into my overall passion and it's uh, mountain biking. And yeah, very glad to um, took over the opportunity in 2017. And from that day on, yeah, combining passion and work in daily life, responsible for our mountain bike tires here. Very good. Yeah. And certainly can relate to the bridging mountain bike into work side of things and coming from a mechanical <laughs> engineering background myself, actually. So, and Dan, how about you? Yeah, the same. Really, kind of bridging, uh, bridging the, the the kind of hobby and passion into a into a work um, work career. So I, um, yeah, I'm I'm Dan Brown. I'm CEO of Afton Bikes. Um, I'm also managing director of Afton Racing, um, and also got my fingers in the Dovey Bike Park pie as well over in in Wales. So lots lots going on my end. Um, yeah, my kind of history with 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 Conti started. Uh, a good number of years back, um, early 2000s, when we we had our first partnership with them, um, and then more recently, um, picking up with with Alex and his team uh, with the development of the new range. Yeah, so I mean, as we were talking about off air before we started here a little bit, um, well, and then you teed up there. Uh, you know, this is the new range was not the first tire that the Athertons developed with Continental going back good ways and um i guess but, but the new range has sort of been a um much wider suite of tires and doing a whole new line from sort of scratch rather than uh, single tires one by one's definitely a um different approach to things and i guess would be curious to have both of you talk about where the development project started and when sort of what was the um, original sort of design brief and thinking behind what you wanted to do. And then I guess, yeah, but broadly speaking, what was the starting point for the whole thing? 
from from our side, um, from the Afton side, it, it started in a quite a, a swish restaurant in London, actually, <laughs> where we um, where we were, uh, yeah, just trying to trying to find um, new partners for the team as we were developing the Afton bikes kind of brand and, and company. We were looking for for partners that would um, join us on that that journey, um, and we were lucky to find that Conti were were interested. Um, and ultimately, we we had that confidence that development of a, of a range of tires would happen, and would happen with 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 kind of um, full confidence at, at, over at Continental. So, um, when we knew that that was in the kind of um, plan for for the kind of early part of the the partnership, we jumped at it. Um, so, our, our, it was ambitious, thinking that we could do a, a, a range all at once. And I'm sure Alex has. Uh, is, uh, can can share some some good insight into that, but um, like I say, we've we've done it before. We produced a winning tire with them, um, and we knew that you know, although although ambitious, the the range would 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 be a a good um, and solid delivery of of a few years of product research and and development. Mm-hmm. And what year would that have been roughly when you were figuring all that out? Um, First meeting was 2018, and then yeah, we we started the partnership officially in 2019. Right. Okay. And I guess when you're, you know, deciding that you're going to develop this new tire line, what did the original concept look like? Did you imagine that it was going to be the well five tread patterns that it wound up being right from the beginning, or was the thinking sort of more well, we're going to develop a line of tires to kind of cover the range of use cases that we want to hit and we'll figure out how many that really needs to be in order to just do the things that we want them to do. How did you approach that aspect of it? Yeah, um, I think as, as Dan said, uh, when this whole journey began in end of 2018, I guess we were all a little bit over overwhelmed by the 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 speed that came them up uh, with this topic. I mean, um, we from Continent side always knew that we wanted to refresh our gravity lineup, which was covered what Dan already uh, stated, uh, developing with the uh, Der Kaiser project and Baron project and the old Mud King. Um, those were all designed back in the days in collaboration with the Edertons at that stage. And um, frankly speaking, I mean, as we joined forces together and the collaboration started again, um, the products were quite outdated. So um, (laughs) we uh, more or less started then in a kind of hands-on approach um, to see how can we um, further develop what we have on site and making it suitable again for for racing. And um, I guess it was this whole project a little bit uh, separated. One was the string of developing material that it's suitable for the team for racing and the other string was more um yeah creating a kind of uh, range that's that's usable for end consumers so at the end um it was the kind of best case scenario that we have seen that it makes totally sense for end consumers to have a yeah what we call a rider's first approach that you choose your tread pattern by the terrain is as well something which is very relatable for um, for downhill riders, right? That you have uh, terrains where it's completely muddy and you're riding in more open soils, that you need to have a kind of semi-cut spike tire or uh, even tracks where you have a very wide and very um, kind of conditions where you want to have an all-rounder with a front-rear dedicated tread pattern for mixed terrains. And that's at the end, um, yeah, the one thing was really tailoring and working on existing products to make them better that the team was able to yeah participate in races on our material and on the other side working on a concept and a portfolio that we want to sell commercially at the ends to uh, to end consumers yeah and i mean certainly kind of the bit about you know wanting to develop a range of tires that's going to actually work for the race team but then something that is sellable to the general public and that they're going to like as well as makes perfect sense of course and um perhaps is a little bit of two somewhat competing objectives in some ways perhaps i guess but i'm curious to hear you talk about that bit more you know do you feel like the needs of you know world cup level racers are 
real how how different are they than you know the middle of the market i guess if you want to put it that way um from the tire perspective and sort of how do you think about the ways in which those needs differ and how to sort of make them meet in the middle with a tire range that covers both cases i think we we probably had a a different view well i certainly have a different view today as well i did when we started the process i think um yeah we wanted the fastest quickest you know most competitive tire we could get and i I kind of assumed that that would be quite a long way away from what the consumer would want but i think on reflection we 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 designed that tire and that exact tire is in the market now and it's selling really well so i think that that's changed my view on it and i i, I can't speak for alex because he's probably got a broader view on the whole range and what what what's selling across the board but i think that performance and super soft um kind of compound uh, combined with the construction method that we we ended up with um works on a world cup circuit but it works just as well for you know every the every everyday person as well mm. yeah i i think what what then already said that's totally true uh, so on on the one side there there's one thing of um designing a, a product which is capable to to be raced in in downhill world cups and it's also capable to to go on podiums or win races and on the other side there is this um yeah bringing this to everyday riders and talking about everyday riders that's not uh, meaning that they are not able to go nearly the same speed or having the same riding style as uh, yeah, racers have participating in World Cups. And we try to um, tackle this a little bit by um, yeah, that you are able to more or less find your sweet spot in um, fine-tuning uh, on the one side with the different level of, of pattern that you want to have. Perhaps you want to ha- uh, have a quite grippy front, then you are looking for a more aggressive tread pattern on the other side. And um, even, yeah, checking and fine-tuning by choosing your construction co- uh, correlating to the kind of riding style that you're having. If you're riding full day in, in bike park uh, with a 200 millimeter big bike, you're definitely somewhere in this area of our downhill casing combined with the super soft compound. Or are you more looking onto this trail riding use cases where you're starting on your front door and uh, pedaling a kind of round and coming back to your front door, then you are looking looking on um, different aspects like wear rate, rolling resistance, or um, yeah, pedaling efficiency. But they all have in common that they know what kind of soils and terrains they are mainly riding in. So are you riding somewhere in the desert uh, with very hard and, and compressed soils? and you're somewhere in this kind of xenotile area, or are you looking more on an overall all-rounder tire combo that you are able to, to ride yeah, for the complete year, then you are somewhere in this crypto-tile front and rear combination, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll get more into the specific tread patterns and where you wound up, I guess, in a minute. But would, before we do, I'd just be curious to sort of hear what the early development steps look like you know we've talked about you guys formed this partnership decided that you're going to start developing a line of tires to go race world cup downhill so where do you start from there what is the kind of and obviously yeah as you've sort of touched on a little bit you have different tracks different conditions you need a range of tires to suit the you know particular day out but um you know what do you then do to go say, well, this is where we want to end up. How do we get there? <laughs> yeah, where where did we start? That was a that was a long time ago. I, I think we we I mean from our end we did um we did a bit of competitor analysis, which is always useful. Um, we not a huge amount because we kind of already had a lot of experience on um, various tires, so it wasn't kind of too in depth, but just got a feel for um what's out there and what performed and tried to kind of analyze a little bit why um and then it was kind of down to alex and the team who came up with a a good kind of um set of processes and steps that we were going to work through in a methodical way so we did quite a number of testing sessions i can't remember how many probably five or six over the whole period but the first couple were very focused on um 
very focused on kind of carcass design. So I, I'll let Alex explain it because he'll probably mm-hmm. do it in, in, a, in a better way than me. But what, what was really useful from the race team's perspective um, was to have clear focuses for each step of the of the process. So, um, yeah, like I say, we, we broke it down and ultimately each test session had a, a clear goal that we wanted to achieve before at the end of it. Um, and I think that that kind of whole collaborative and, and clear process has a, has a lot to do with the final product that we have today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that was at this point also a little bit the, 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 the crucial bit because um, at, at that point we wanted to um, make our mind about of what kind of range, uh, range do we want to offer? What kind of amount of tires and patterns do make sense? So we more or less started with our existing gravity tire range that, that we're having and we're fine-tuning the performance of the uh, of the existing tread pattern. So we did a lot of testing sessions based on the Kaiser project and also on the um, on the former Mud King. And um, yeah, as Dan already pointed out, there we learned a lot on um, yeah how carcasses and materials and compounds are um, influencing the performance of an overall tire. And at the end, I would say even with without touching. The, the contour or the shape or the pattern of a tire, we ended up with pretty decent uh, products at, at, that, uh, at that time. And uh, in parallel, yeah, everything more or less started in, in designing the tread pattern. But at this moment, um, yeah, the, the goal was more to go full force in having an interim solution, I would say, that's suitable for racing. That's pretty interesting. So I guess, and I think the casing or carcasses you're, terming it construction kind of something that probably quite a few folks overlook a little bit as far as its overall impact on a tire's performance and uh, just ride feel. You know, people think about, okay, you've got a range of casing options that are, you know, trading off weight versus puncture resistance, say. And I think in those terms, it's more widely understood. But there's a pretty big change that you get in ride feel as you move through you know pick a manufacturer it doesn't even matter who you're talking about it's kind of increasing steps of beefiness on that front and so um tell us more about what you were hoping to improve upon with the reworked carcasses and kind of how you think about what makes one ride well mm-hmm. um yeah, I, I think at that point we, uh, from the first test session that we did, and with our competitor analysis, we we saw that we are not even close to have this serial multi- serial material being able to to be raised at World Cups. So um, yeah, uh, we we have a lot of knowledge of uh, developing like uh, tires, not just for for mountain bike tires, but um, also fine-tuning road bike tires, urban tires, and so on and so forth. So I guess uh, we we had a lot of, of knowledge already sitting around in our company of how we can um, yeah, tweak and fine-tune a carcass and therefore um, fine-tune the, the complete uh, riding behavior. And therefore, I think you, you mentioned it already that it's not just the... Um, the um, performance bits of puncture resistance and and weight. It's also like suppleness, damping, and giving those tires a kind of alive feeling. And also working with different compounds and different shares is totally influencing the overall dynamics of a of a tire on a trail. So um, I guess the stuff that we learned um, quite quite fast with our tires that you need to run them with the old ones at least one uh, 0.1 to 0.2 bars lower in comparison to what you would ride on a Schwalbe or a Maxxis to get this kind of suppleness out of a tire, which is then, yeah, reducing the the puncture resistance. And therefore, we made very big, big progresses by um, just adapting ply material, revising the construction and working on different compound shares. Yeah, no, it was was really interesting to hear the riders' feedback as well. And you touched on it, David, in terms of ride feel. Um, So we, we, we... Across the the kind of um, multiple tests, we 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 used similar tracks each time, um, and the and the kind of feedback was was constantly improving each iteratively. Kind of each each time, it was always a little bit better, and um, each variation, each um, each 
tire that these guys bought out um, and there was there was a good number of them in terms of prototypes um there was always a a, a positive step forward and um that ride feel um changed quite a lot from from the start to to the end and it's amazing how much that influences the overall grip because your 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 carcass is moving around a rock it's moving around a root or it's it's doing something that 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 you kind of initially you're, you're thinking purely the top part of the tire with the tread is where the where the grip comes from but that's that's not in the case at all um and that was pretty eye-opening and and good to see the progress that we made in those those first few tests and interestingly uh, at the at the end we were even able to hear if a carcass or a compound share was chosen well because um from the beginning on there was always this strange noise when you're hitting something and uh, the tire was kind of deflected you hit this you hear this 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 ping noise and at the end you have this really fluffy squishy feeling of the tire really moving and deflecting over obstacles than just bouncing from obstacle to obstacle yeah i think that's well put and was it the case that you were kind of starting with the casings in large part because it was sort of a way that you could, I guess, isolate variables in the development a little bit where you're taking the existing molds from tires that you had already, but able to work kind of iteratively on the construction and figure out how that changes things before you have to dive into cutting new molds for new tread patterns and all that kind of stuff? Um, on the one hand, definitely yes. <laughs> On the other hand, it's more like we were forced uh, to to stick with the molds that we have because pattern development is is um, a different level because you need to model them and you need to uh, order new molds and so on and so forth. But um, the nice bit about just working on compound shares and uh, carcass materials is that you always have a have a blind test because the riders do not really know what we changed uh, on the tire and even we have the uh, opportunity to double check it uh, if the assumptions or the observations were uh, valid to just put them on the exact same construction same pressure let them ride the same track and check if the feedback is consistent but um yeah it, it makes totally sense to just start with a pattern that you are kind of familiar with you know uh, how the transition is you know how the rolling in the center area is you know how the shoulders uh, studs are cornering and then you can just focus on the overall behavior and performance of a tire without having influence of a pattern that you can't yeah cut out there yeah that makes perfect sense and well since we're moving in that direction now. Let's talk about the pattern development. So I guess what were the goals for the different models? And well, I guess walk us through the range and tell us about where you wound up. Um, yeah, I think I touched on this topic already a little bit earlier. So the idea was behind this whole gravity range, uh, also with the names and the casings and the symbols, to have also a kind of um, intuitive portfolio for uh, for riders because we are more or less now new in the game again because our old tires were fairly fairly outdated and also um, yeah not filling spots in in the gravity segment in in some cases so the idea behind it was uh, to have in the beginning uh, four tread pattern one designed for mainly dry conditions hard pack terrains one tire for um, mixed conditions, one somewhere between a full mud spike tire, so a kind of intermediate tire. And um, interestingly, by building up this this whole range, uh, we ended even up with a five tread pattern in, in our range. As we initially started to have just one cryptotile there, um, in one of our famous Davi uh, test sessions, <laughs> after browsing our all our test forms, uh, we have seen that two tread pattern designs were kind of standing out uh, in the overall performance. Um, but we saw that the characteristics or the benefits of two pattern were totally different in, in, in different conditions. We said at one point, oh, this looks like uh, the points which were pointed out here, which seem to work out quite quite good, are mainly characteristics that you want to have on the on the front wheel and other characteristics which are working on this tread pattern evaluation, uh, on this tread pattern design quite quite nice are more characteristics that you want to have on on the rear wheel. 
So um, in this design process, we were quite agile to say, hey, who are we to not include a perfect combination, which is even able to um, enlarge the use case of this combination in the mixed uh, conditions where we want to position it. So yeah, we were yeah, then at that point able to, to include a CryptoTile front and rear combination. Tell us a bit more about what you sort of see as being the particular characteristics that are beneficial on a front in ways that are different from a rear tire. And we can narrow it to that specific kind of mixed use condition for sort of the middle of the range tire conditions wise. But uh, what made you feel like you needed to go in the direction of having a different front and rear pattern to achieve different things from the different ends of the bike? Mm. Yeah, uh, this is quite interesting, and I guess uh, Dan can afterwards share a little bit of the uh, uh, yeah feelings of the or the behaviors of the riders because that's also something very interesting what we currently observed in terms of the use of CryptoTile front and rear. So um, in in the design phase, or what we have seen there is. Um, for front wheel specific uh, maneuvers, what we say, we want to have more this agility feeling and we definitely want to have a, a tread pattern that's that's uh, flexible enough to, to even uh, deflect more or, or give the uh, yeah, tread pattern uh, elements a little bit more freedom to, to interact with the soil. So especially when you are going slowly in something steep, for example, and in the complex surrounding, you want to have those small knobs really interacting uh, with the ground and generating a grip there to guide you down safely. And on the rear wheel, for example, that's not really for um, downhill racing or riding, but focusing on the e-bikes and um, yeah, everyday riders. We want to have on rear wheel um, something which is more related to traction, braking, and also um, a reasonable wear, wear rate, for example, which is not super interesting for sponsored athletes, but for people who are purchasing them by themselves, they for sure look on a wear, uh, wear rate on a rear wheel tire. And um, yeah, we saw there that the combination of those two patterns makes perfectly sense and is enlarging the, the use case even more. And um, what we currently see that there are even use cases where cases or I would say behaviors of riders where it makes sense to run a crypto tile front, front and rear, or crypto tile rear, front and rear. <laughs> yeah, no, our boys, are, well, Charlie and Andy are both favoring crypto front, um, front and rear. But I think some of the pivot guys, right, are running the rear, front and rear. So, yeah, whether it's a riding style thing or a a kind of how, how and where they want to feel the confidence um, from the tire. I'm not not too sure, but um, yeah, we're we're definitely siding fronts and in our camp. Now, perhaps it's not to point in direction of riders here specifically, but we see that riders who have a very clean riding style prefer to have the front, front and rear, and guys I would say who are more riding dirty and want to have the support of more rigid knobs. Uh, are preferring to ride CryptoTile rear front and rear. So you're saying Eddie's riding pretty dirty, right? <laughs> <laughs> you said this. Maybe it's uh, that our bikes are smoother and faster than theirs. That could also be it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, We'll set that aside. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, I would be curious to have you talk just in sort of some more detail about the, well, we've touched on bits and pieces of it, but just describe the tire range that you wound up with in some more detail and kind of how the different tread patterns differ from each other, how they stand out, what you kind of accomplish with this. Yeah, um, perhaps in, in general of how we design a tread pattern design. So, um, we never really start from zero. So we mostly have uh, predecessors or tires in our lineup where we know how the pattern performs and uh, where the models have their strengths and weaknesses. And so we are always starting at least from a um, predecessor in, in our lineup to, to um, design a tread pattern. And um, besides the tires in our lineup, we also know quite well the uh, physics and the mechanical interactions be between a tread pattern. Because if you are looking on the soils where we designed the uh, tires for, 
if you're looking on an ideal hard surface, like something really compressed bike park flow line uh, stuff, the ideal tire would be a kind of semi-slick or even a, a full slick tire, what we have for road bike tires, for, for example, because you want to have as much contact points of the, um, of the tire touching the soil to generate the grip over the compound. On the other side, if you're looking on a full spike mud tire, the compound is not that important because you want to have more this mechanical grip of a pattern digging into a soil and generating a kind of yeah locking in there and uh, getting out again, self-cleaning or something like this is more important on, um, on a mud tire, for example. So designing those two radical approaches, I would say it's, it's easier than designing a good working or rounder like the crypto tie front and rear, because um, in this area, you are having a kind of sweet spot where more, more or less everything can appear. And uh, this, this tires in, in this segment should handle as well a hard packed terrain as good as a kind of open soil and even a light uh, mud terrain. So um, yeah, for, for the uh, hard packed or put most of our efforts, I would say, in designing CryptoTal front and rear, where we started our development with and um, had a lot of iterations, I guess, if we are looking now on um, also including the um, uh, 27.5 uh, models in there, because at one point the Edertons decided to go also on a mullet bike, uh, which put us as well in additional stress to uh, test our tires as well on the rear wheel. Um, we're designing them in um, CAD, generating out of it a kind of 3D print, uh, measure it, look how the overall appearance of the tread pattern looks, uh, look if it is uh, scaled correctly, make a kind of first footprint out of it to, to check how much uh, yeah, footprint we are generating with this tire. And then working from this point on in um, iterations. And if we say this is a tread pattern design that we uh, want to investigate in, in, in field, uh, we are ordering a trial mold to build our tires out of this. So um, it's, it's more or less a kind of um, easy uh, or a quick design mold where you do not have this finesses of a kind of sidewall design or, um, yeah, uh, textures are, are not included. That's really to just uh, test the, the tread pattern out of it. And then it's mostly like building tires and testing them in field and collecting feedback and testing them back to get back to back against each other. Yeah, that's a good rundown. And over the course of the testing and development of these, how many of those trial molds with different variations on the tread patterns do you think you iterated through? Ballpark numbers, fine. I'm not going to hold you to, you know, anything super precise. But I guess for for Cryptotal and Argotal, in some it was ten to twelve molds. Mm -hmm. As as we then uh, had different iterations on on those two models, and in the whole, whole overall um, testing phase, we learned so much that we were quite confident about Xynotal and and Hydrotal, the hard pack tire and the mud tire, where we already had predecessors in our portfolio with the Kaiser project and the Mud King, which were working quite all right, I would say. So uh, there we didn't invest so much in, in tri-molds. Mm -hmm. And I guess there was just for each pattern one or two iterations needed. But as I already tried to point out uh, earlier, Cryptotal and Argotal was a little bit complexer for us because it's the most demanding terrain in there. Right. Yeah, the more versatility you're demanding from the tire, exactly. the more... Yeah you kind of need to tailor it to a wider range. Yeah, that makes sense. And, I mean, let's talk about rubber compounds too, because we haven't touched on that very much. Um, and in particular, I'm sort of interested in the, I guess, interplay between the, well, all three elements, the casing construction, the rubber compound, and the tread pattern design, because I would assume that you're... Um, really needing to think about all three in concert. I think there's this, it's easy to sort of incorrectly oversimplify things and say that, well, a softer rubber compound is going to equal more grip always, but at some point you need to have the knobs adequately well supported to not just, you know, fold over and feel squirmy. And, um, 
but then the knob shape is going to have a great deal to do with how the um, rubber compound performs there too. And so when you're sort of juggling all of these different variables all at once, how do you kind of think about where you want to end up and what did the rubber compound development of this whole project look like? I guess you already gave the perfect answer. <laughs> no, uh, exactly. It's like um, looking on those three, three bits. You have the, the carcass construction underneath where you're just like combining plies and uh, ply thickness, rubberization of the ply, and also like overlapping of the ply where you can influence the uh, overall structural stiffness and, and robustness, I would say. Then you have the, the rubber compounds, which have their material properties like uh, shore hardness, A-modulus, uh, wear rate, rebound, and so on and so forth. And then you have um, the knob itself. And as you exactly pointed out, the, the smaller the knob and the longer it gets, it has more the tendency to be folded over and uh, to, to move uh, e even more. And um, in fact, it's not just the, the the knob and the shape of a knob. It's also correlating to the to the carcass underneath, and you are even able to combine different compounds in a kind of dual compound. So um, there are a lot of yeah variables that you are able to to combine there, and this is why we are not really um, talking about in in our communication strategy like a, a shore hardness or something like this or duro durometer uh, of our compounds because a soft compound is not or a super soft compound is not automatically a very grippy compound so we can even make very super soft compounds that are not gripping at all uh, it's a combination of all and also a lot more to yeah putting everything together that you are able to to measure in a lab test on a pure compound um there are always differentiations in terms of how the pattern inter interacts with the uh, carcass, how stiff is the compound, how is the uh, static grip, how is wet grip, how is the temperature uh, performance over lifetime, and so on and so forth. And at the end, you also want to have a reasonable wear rate, even on a super soft compound, where the knobs are not tearing off after the first ride in a yeah in a in a bike park. So there are a lot of points that you need to consider when designing a tire properly and compound yeah it's you, you can't talk about compound without a carcass and the tread pattern yeah it was um it was like quite quite a puzzle i think it's fair to say like when you're looking at the different elements and you have to have to be thinking about all three of them all at the same time and and, and like you say in conjunction with each other and and also to throw into the mix that we've not touched on um, riding styles too much or, or riders' weight, but that that definitely um, cropped up in our our feedback. Kind of G being uh, a good ten kilos heavier than Charlie um, definitely gave some conflicting feedback at times on on shoulder, certainly on kind of um, shoulder knobs, um, side knobs. But you know we we worked through that and got to a, a position where both both were happy um at, at the end of the day but it's it was it was kind of throwing another element into the mix which which got you thinking as well so yeah fair play to alex and the team for for getting us figuring a path through all of that because it was a, a bit of a maze at, at, at times yeah got good note on just rider weight and the amount of force being able to put into the side knobs obviously having a role there as well and um, riding style, et cetera, a whole host of things beyond just weight, of course. Uh, and Alex, I'd be curious to have you go into a little more depth on uh, some of what you touched on in that last bit about, um, you know, softness being a very imperfect proxy for just the overall performance of the rubber and kind of, yeah, tell us more about sort of what you've learned from the development process and just explain why that you know shore hardness or softness isn't really the be all end all of anything mm. um so at the end i would say um we are a lot um winning from the, from the fact that that we as continental are 
a lot doing with with uh, rubber <laughs> and are building a lot of different type of um uh of of tires so uh we have a very very broad and deep toolbox of compounds that we are able to use and that we are able to combine and um yeah chemists and engineers that are working on nothing else and just uh, developing compounds so uh the the toolbox that we are having is is very good in balancing a lot of of characteristics so on the one hand if you are looking on our um downhill tires for example equipped with the super soft compound we see on the one hand that the grip and uh, also the wet grip is um in in lab test and here we are talking just about testing a, a slick tire uh, in a in a lab environment that we are on a very, very high level in comparison to uh, compounds that we assume what our competitors are using. But on the other side, we see that the wear rate is uh, on a very, very high level. Um, the performance over temperature uh, is, is staying constant to uh, even uh, below uh, Celsius de de degrees temperatures uh, on a constant level. But on the other hand, we have a compound that's even uh, rolling very fast. So we see that we are, at least in our um, um, test procedure, 10 to 15 watts faster than our competitors, which at the end, when you're looking on um, yeah downhill tracks in, in Leogang, where you have those big fire roads, uh, transitioning uh, transit uh, or shuttling from one technical um, bit to the other technical bit um, that our riders are mostly not pedaling they are just going in tuck and let the the bike roll where others need to stroke the pedals to to clear the jumps so um I guess it was not really the the, the pattern develop uh, the, the the compound development it was more to use this toolbox right and um yeah, combining the, the properties of the tread pattern with a um, sufficient knob design that the knobs do not fold over, but that they are flexible enough to give a little bit of movement uh, when you are corner, cornering hard to, to, to create this, this grip and the interaction with the, with the surface. Mm -hmm. And to sort of tie all that together a little bit, when it comes to coming up with the full tire lineup that's going to be sold to the public. How do you kind of think about just which combinations of tread pattern, rubber compound casing construction that you're going to offer? Cause we've touched on the five different tread patterns that you developed and obviously the teams running the downhill casings on everything, but then you've got separate trail and enduro casings that at least some of the options are offered in and a couple of different, well, three different, uh, rubber compounds across that as well. And so, um, you know, you're understandably not offering every single possible combination of all of those variables. Uh, but how do you approach figuring out which ones make sense and which ones you're going to skip and so on and so forth? Mm. Yeah. Um, I guess on, on the, the one bit is, is definitely, uh, racing where we said, okay, for, for, for racing and our sponsor teams, we need to offer all five tread patterns in uh, 29 inch by 2.4 and 27.5, uh, for mullet use cases or full 29er use cases to have at least their, um, yeah, the, the, the full portfolio covered for, for our athletes because uh, we do not want to get in this position uh, where we need to tailor something short term because there is this one race where you need to have, I don't know, something that we do not have in our portfolio. Um, on the other hand, for... Uh, yeah, end consumers, I would say, we are offering different options, like what you said, the enduro casing with a soft compound. And um, there we are offering as well different um, dimensions, like a 2.6-inch uh, tire for e-bikes and uh, riders who prefer a little bit more, more comfort or, or damping. And um, even uh, trail-orientated. And if you're talking about the trail riding use cases, we are looking more on this descent-orientated uh, trail riding behavior with, with our tread pattern, where we say with this construction and this compound, it totally makes sense to also include um, the, uh, uh, the the tread pattern in there, not hydrotal because it's a very special tire as a full mud tire where most of the trail riders uh, are not using something like this or not going out. So um, there, we wanted to to have the same approach and always and also um, coming up with a 
state-of-the-art designed um, portfolio where we have a also very special kind of combina uh, communication with this periodic table, what you have seen perhaps on our website, that you are able to uh, help yourself going through our portfolio by mo more or less answering two simple questions. The question number one is, what is the uh, main terrain that you are riding in, which links you to the right tread pattern? And the other question is, what kind of riding are you, uh, or what is your, your kind of riding style? And then you are ending up at least with a kind of good estimation what construction and compound you need. So that was a little bit the idea behind this, to not uh, make a full and complex and uh, each and every variant possible in our portfolio. And at the end, our customers end up in a kind of analysis paralysis and they go back to their um, tires that they have before and are not switching to, to our new tires. So at the end, the idea was really to have a satisfied customer um, where they say, okay, I'm very happy with my choice because I totally know what I bought there. <laughs> right. I would imagine that's a hard thing, uh, sort of striking the right balance between offering, you know, there will be people who want fringe variations that aren't as, um, aren't as standard, but then not having such an overwhelming breadth of options that, no one knows what they're buying or how to figure it out too. And um, I guess, you know, I think what you've done is, as you've sort of said, pretty straightforward and easy to follow along with. Do you imagine that you'll be branching out into some more combinations, perhaps bringing some of the softer rubber compounds into the lighter constructions at some point or anything like that? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the first thing what we did in enlarging our portfolio is um, last year, including of uh, crypto tile front and rear in the 26-inch uh, version, because on the one hand, we see that 26 ain't dead, apparently. And um, on the other side, yeah, there are even a lot of very good old 26-inch bikes uh, around, which are getting rebuilt for for younger or smaller riders but on the other side uh, on the other side even driven by OEM customers there are a lot of very good um high performance kids bikes coming out starting from i don't know 20 inch full suspension bikes going up now to to 26 uh, inch when you are able to to swap it into a 27.5 front wheel and ride with the 26 inch in in the real uh, in the rear so um to get <laughs> the the riders as soon as possible on the good rubber we uh, decided to uh, extend our range there in a 26 inch model but exactly what you pointed out we are a lot in um, discussions with with oems uh, where we also see some quite nice um, specifications coming out in in the future and um, they are requesting um, models that we currently do not have in our portfolio. And especially for the front wheel orientated um, models as CryptoTile front or, for example, an ArgoTile, um, there are models requested uh, with yeah, softer compounds on, on lighter casings where it makes sense to combine the toolbox. Well, I think that's been a pretty good rundown on the range and the development. Uh, and I know it's getting late for both of you, so should wrap this up soon. But any parting thoughts or final notes that we haven't really hit on that you want to get out there? No, I, I, I pretty think we've covered everything pretty pretty well. Like I say, I think um, the process steps that we went through were, were key in all of this. And um, I guess I haven't really given feedback on the, the finished product, but ultimately the results speak for themselves. Um you know, we, we've had all riders riding pretty much all tires across the last kind of two to three years um, in, in competition. And um, I don't think we've really given the Hydrotol much um, much airtime yet, but hopefully we're going to have some muddy races soon to, to bring that one its first kind of real win. So, um, yeah, I think um, the final product speaks for itself. The results do the same. Um, and yeah, kudos to, to Comte and Alex for, for bringing out such a sick range. Yeah. And um, I mean, for us, then we we were sitting in this boat together, starting with basically nothing in early 2019 and had some 
hard times developing and shipping stuff over to Davi. Then we had this Corona crisis where nobody was really able to leave offices. And um, yeah, luckily you were having the, the the park on site where you were able to to test and um, give give feedback uh, feedback in in this time. And um, I yeah, I guess the the steps that we made with the the overall development and um, now seeing from basically having nothing in our portfolio, which was raceable, having now teams which are really appreciating what we did and are even um, getting podiums and the feedback is consistently nice. And um, beside the evidence where we uh, started with and, and have yeah a, a lot to thank for, we even see that other teams are approaching us to to try to, to get on the tires, which what Dan pointed out, I guess it's it's speaking speaking for for the tire itself or the tires. Yeah, um, and I've certainly been very impressed with them. Been spending well enormous amount of time on the cryptotals, especially and argitol and xenotol a bit. So uh, have yeah, agreed. They've they've all been impressive and uh, good work and. Thank you both for taking the time to chat today. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no worries, David. Good good to chat. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll get you a bike over to test as well soon so you can get the full package from our side. We'll be in touch about that too. Looking forward to it. Alex, Dan, thank you both again. This has been great. Thank you, David. Have a good one. David. Well, that's it for our rundown on the new Continental Gravity Tire lineup with Alex and Dan. But... Before we wrap this one up, I'm afraid I need to conclude on a much more somber note. As a lot of you have probably heard by now, our good friend, reviewer, and just unbelievably important member of the Blister team, Eric Friesen, passed away in a backcountry skiing accident over the weekend. Eric was a lot of things, including a very talented skier and mountain biker but more than that he was a really wonderful human being and a great friend and mentor and partner in the outdoors to a whole lot of us and the unbelievable outpouring of love and remembrances for Eric that we've seen in the last few days is an incredible testament to how much of an impact he had on so many people in such a positive way. Rest in peace, Eric. You'll be missed very, very badly. <laughs>